Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper mystery in crooked creek woods is book four in the tree street kids series something fishy is going on in crooked creek woods Does it have anything to do with the weird lights coming from Ruthie's neighbor's yard? Or are the kids' imaginations running away with them? After all, Jack and Allison have been hard at work writing a mystery. The Tree Street Kids decide to investigate. Not only do they discover what's been hidden for centuries in the woods, they also learn about placing their trust in the adults who love and care for them. But not before placing themselves in peril. Enjoy this reading of Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods by Amanda Cleary Eastep. Chapter 1. On the Case My goldfish has been kidnapped! The woman wailed as she burst through the door of the Dewey, Ketchum, and Howe Detective Agency. Like a tornado of pink and smelly grandma perfume, she cleared a path across the office, sending chairs, important papers, and empty fruit snack wrappers flying around the room. Oh, my poor goldy-woldy, my sweet, sparkly, and very expensive guppy pup. This sounded like a job for Dr. Ellison Dewey, Inspector Jack Ketchum, and their trusty furry sidekick, How, the crime-sniffing dog. Their motto, Do we catch him? And how? Tell us everything, Dr. Dewey said from behind his massive desk. He slid a sharpened number two pencil out of his flat top. Three more stuck out of his hair. Dewey had a tiny and ridiculous black mustache, without a whisker out of place. His suit and bow tie were spiffy and cookie crumbless. Words spurted from between the lady's bright pink lips, like she'd just discovered her mom had hidden peas in the tuna casserole. Although it's unlikely she'd actually eat fish. The woman sputtered. Her name, Sniff, is Goldie. She's short, Snort, and gold. Inspector Jack Ketchum stood next to Dr. Dewey, scratching his head under his plaid cap. He repeated the facts in between puffing on this great, curved pipe. The kind that blows bubbles because smoking is really bad for your lungs. The doctor jotted them down in his very important clues notebook. Goldie, the goldfish. How? The crime-sniffing dog put his paws up on the edge of the desk. 
His scruffy white, brown, and black fur and his detective hat made him look like the kind of dog you wouldn't want to mess with. He barked something that sounded like, why can't we ever be searching for lost hamburgers? I dotted the end of the question mark with a fat period. This mystery story is awesome, I said, slapping closed our writing notebook. On the red cover, I'd crossed out science, fifth grade, and added the case of the fish-napped goldfish, a Dewey, Ketchum, and Howe mystery by Jack Finch and Ellison Henry. Copyright 1995. But is it win the young author's contest good? Ellison asked. My scruffy dog, Arrow, jumped up onto my lap where I sat on an overturned five-gallon bucket. One slobbery vote for yes, I said. Confident our story was going to win the contest, I sucked down the last of my juice box with a noisy slurp and smashed the box against my forehead. Ellison and I had been meeting in a bomb shelter for the past week to brainstorm plots. The 1960s shelter in my next-door neighbor's yard is the official fort of the Tree Street Kids. Ellison's right arm was still in a sling after he'd made the most epic touchdown in Deer Creek Lions peewee football history. So I'd been doing all the pencil work. We now had our first scene written, and the story wasn't due until November. The first prize for our school's writing competition was a brand new 1995 XZ1000 typewriter. Not that I cared about typewriters. I just like anything that sounds like it's equipped with turbochargers. The $50 second prize would be way easier to split between us. And third prize? Well, Ellison could keep the whole set of the boxcar children. He is the bookworm. I'd be good with a trophy and five minutes of Deer Creek Christian School fame. Ellison twirled the end of an imaginary mustache. He was really into his story character. Ellison said he wanted Dewey to be just like Hercule Boro, the detective in the mysteries written by Agatha Christie. Mon ami, Ellison said. He'd also been pretending he was from a country called Belgium. It is not Agatha Christie good, but we have made an impressive start, no? I had learned over the past week that when a Belgian detective who sounds French asks, no, he actually means, am I right? So if you're like Hercule Poirot, who am I like? I asked. Ellison looked at me like he was checking the notes in his head. Definitely Encyclopedia Brown, kid detective, he said. Encyclopedia? You're the one who is always quoting stacks of books, I said. Even my little sister Midge seemed to fit that character better than I did. Her brain was full of more random facts than an entire library reference section. Ellison gave a sure nod. You're also an inventor and a problem solver. That's kind of what detectives do. They gather all the pieces, then figure out how everything fits together. He crooked his index finger and held it underneath his nose. Besides, I'm the one with the pretend mustache. How do I look? Like you have a finger underneath your nose, I said. Allison heaved a sigh. 
I suppose I'll have to settle for an invisible mustache. At least it won't itch, I offered. Eureka! A screech echoed down the concrete shaft of the bomb shelter. A metal spiral staircase in the shaft connected our underground fort to the world above. A cluck and bacock followed. What sounded like a creature with fluttering wings and the larynx of a third grader floofed and clanged down the metal steps. My little sister, Midge, charged through the open door. In her arms, she cradled my pet chicken, Henrietta. I've solved the mystery, Midge cried. The beam of her headlamp hit me square in the eyes. I blocked the light with my palm and turned up the camping lantern sitting closest to me. What mystery? Midge set Henrietta on top of the table. Hen pecked happily at the crumbs of some cheddar cheese goldfish crackers. The mystery of the vanished brother and his smart, nice, and always impeccably dressed friend, she said. I noticed she'd left out any complimentary adjectives to describe me. Where else would we be? I asked. We're not in the house, the bomb shelter hatch is open, and we have an author deadline. Midge hopped up and down like she was riding a pogo stick. Ooh, can I be in your story? Before I could say, no way, no how, not in a bazillion years, Midge laid out her storyline. I can be an evil genius named Mad Professor Midge who rides a pterodactyl chicken that I captured with cheesy goldfish crackers and a giant net, then brought back in a time machine I built out of pipe cleaners and popsicle sticks. She stuck her arms out and zoomed around the room. Muck, muck, muck. Henrietta clucked at Midge, cocking her head right, left, right, left. Henrietta says that's science fiction, Ellison interpreted. Arrow hopped off my lap and started following mad Professor Midge around the room. He wouldn't make a great dog detective like Howe. The barking and tail wagging would give him away fast. I flipped our writing notebook open again and turned to a clean page. Besides, we already have a villain. I started doodling. I say, old boy, what villain? Allison asked in what I figured was a British accent. I thought Hercule Poirot was French, I said. Belgian, Ellison said, but I'm trying to sound like Sherlock Holmes. Midge zoomed her way back to the doorway and turned toward us. The fading daylight couldn't reach the bottom of the shaft, now filled with shadows. But the light of the camping lanterns on the table threw an eerie glow across her face. She glared at us through narrowed eyes. I am the villainiest villain in the history of villains, she cried. And you'll never catch me on my terrifying pterodactyl chicken. She spread her arms, then threw her head back and crowed, Bukak? Henrietta squawked. She fluttered off the table and plop right into Midge's outstretched arms. Impressive and very villainy, I had to admit. Midge spun away. She hopped over the threshold and into the darkening shaft. Her clanging footsteps echoed ominously. Impressive, Allison said, 
echoing my thought. He scooched his overturned bucket seat closer to mine. So, what villain are you talking about? We haven't gotten that far in the story yet. I pushed the notebook toward him and pulled the lantern closer so he could see what I'd doodled. There was only one villain I knew. My arch nemesis and everyone's favorite neighborhood bully, Buzz Rublatz. Amanda, welcome back to Story Jumpers. It's so great to see you again. Thanks, Andrew. It's really fun to be here again. Fourth time. Well, I I just am so excited that there's another Tree Street Kids book to read. And this time it, it you know, it goes into a, a cool different direction with the mystery and the detective, you know, like agency that they've set up. It's it's a lot of fun. But for anybody who's just learning about the Tree Street Kids, what can you tell us about this group of kids from the 1990s? Well, Tree Street Kids are a group of friends. Like you said, they live in um, the the story is set in the 1990s, which feels like ancient history to probably a lot of kids. But um, they live in the suburbs of Chicago and they really have kind of everyday adventures. These aren't this. It's not fantasy. It's it's basically realistic fiction. And it's it's about this really close knit group of friends. So we have Jack Finch is kind of the main guy and then his best friend, Ellison, his little sister, Midge, and then Ruthie and Roger. And they all have just kind of these these fun, um, different personality traits and talents that they bring to uh, to the group and um, and to the adventures that they have. Yeah, and so far we've been on three different adventures with them. They've all been slightly different and a lot of fun. Um, Your fourth book in the series, Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods, that's what we just listened to a clip from. Can you tell us what adventures are in store for Jack Finch and his friends in this book? But don't spoil too much. Yeah, I'll try not to. The the thing that's there's a couple things that are very different about this book than the other three. Although there's there you know there really is kind of an element of mystery to some of the books, especially like book two, the hunt for Fang. Um, but this is a mystery within a mystery, and what I mean by that is the kids are trying to solve this mystery of um, they see these um, neighbors of Ruthie's carrying. Um, something in and out of the nearby woods. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, but at the same time, Jack and Ellison, who are the best friends, they are writing their own mystery for a young authors contest at school. And so what I do is I kind of take the story that they're writing and I intersperse it throughout the main mystery that I wrote. And they kind of, there's, you know, there's some parallels going on in both of those stories. And it was really fun to write from Jack and Ellison's perspective and not just my as an author. Right. Get into their heads as, as you know, how they would tell their own story, make up their own mystery. That's kind of neat. There are also some fun little pull aparts uh, interspersed throughout the book little little history tidbits and little facts about um, detectives from other books, novels, movies, things like that. What can you tell us about those little pull-aparts? Like, why were they important for you to include in the book? Well, all of the Tree Street Kids books have 
what I just refer to as fun facts that that are specific to the characters. So, for instance, um, Ellison loves to read. So we have Ellison's bookmarks. So those are facts about different kinds of literature. Midge is a big, you know, she just loves science. So we have Midge's phenomenal facts, and those always have to do with with astronomy or science or biology. So these, um, I'm a big fan of co- what what are kind of known as cozy mysteries, or br- I love British mysteries. So uh, my some of my favorite characters are Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot, and and so I I think it's just those are very popular classic mystery characters. Mm. And so they're really inspiring Jack and Ellison in, in their own writing. And so they kind of imagine themselves as detectives. And, and so I, I, I want the kids, I want the readers reading these, this book to get to know those classic literature characters a little bit more. So they, they have some context for, for the story. Yeah. And those are always great stories to go refer to as well, or to go read and explore um, a huge collection of classics that they, people could go find more out about now mystery in crooked Creek woods. It's really the first true mystery that the tree street kid series has tackled in, in the sense that it's, written like a mystery it tackles a full mystery it focuses on all the elements that make a good mystery novel what did you love most about writing a mystery this time i knew from the very start when i was thinking of the series as a whole before i had even written jack versus a tornado book one that I wanted at least one of the books to be a mystery. And for whatever reason, I just felt like this fourth book was going to be that. So I had had some time to think about it. And I I just wanted the challenge of writing a mystery. I love to read them. I love to watch them. So I thought, well, why wouldn't I want to try to write one? And so that's, that was really what, what just my own interest in mysteries sparked uh, the the desire to write one myself. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It was it a big challenge to learn how and figure out ways to write a mystery versus just enjoying reading or watching a mystery. Was there a big challenge there? There was uh, there was some of that. What I knew I wanted to start with was something that was hidden because I think that's always fun. I mean. I don't know if if you were like this when you were a kid, but you want to find something. You want to find pirate treasure or you want to find something that's that's, you know, hidden somewhere or hidden, you know, a hidden room. Or So I kind of started with that childhood um, memory of wanting to discover something like that. And and it all just kind of came together in such a cool way. I didn't. I didn't necessarily do like all this research on on the structure of a mystery. I really wanted to start with what as a kid would I really want the mystery to look like. So I knew I wanted the kids to find something. And so I started doing some research um, about the area where the kids live. And because uh, there's lots of woods around that area And so I knew I wanted there to be a connection with that as well. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I started with. And then I started to build the plot from there. Cool. Cool. 
Now, Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods also has the kids playing the parts of some famous detectives. We just named a few. But who is your favorite detective from novels or movies? The most favorite of all? Mm, Well, probably... uh, Boy, that's that's a tough one. They all have such fun characteristics. I, I really like, I've really come to like Father Brown is mm-hmm. were the books, but uh, those were written. That series was written by GK Chesterton years ago. And then Agatha Christie's Miss Marple and Miss um, Marple is just this very elderly woman. And she's not even technically a detective. She just has this gift for figuring things out and for understanding human nature. And so I really admire her as a character because she's not the, you know, the tried and true detective necessarily. She just uses her gifts to help people. And she's very shrewd and very, um, very intelligent. And so I really, I really like her as a character. One, I guess, detective or character from mysteries that I always found fascinating. um, And I haven't read nearly enough, but the concept about Amelia Peabody. She was, um, it's a historical mystery, but Amelia Peabody explores the um, ancient ruins of Egypt, the pyramids and the tombs and stuff like that. And so she's alive during a time where they're doing excavations and then they throw in a mystery in there as well. And so it's just neat to see um, all that archaeology, kind of like Indiana Jones from a young woman's perspective in that time period. Pretty neat. Yeah. And and it's funny you mentioned that because... Uh, Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods, what I ended up doing was drawing from local history. After I started researching, trying to figure out, okay, what is it that the kids could discover? Um, you, you, I think you and I talked about this at one point. I love to hike and the hunt for Fang is, you know, has a, a lot of setting in the woods, these kind of same woods that the kids are in again. And there are a lot of archaeological digs throughout the suburbs of Chicago where um, in the forest preserves, and they don't make this public, of course, because they don't want people to go (laughs) dinging around or disturbing the archaeological sites. But there's a lot of um, early civilizations that lived in the area, um, different tribes. And so that, so I really started to draw from the history of the Potawatomi uh, tribes that lived in the area at the time. And that, that plays a, a role in this story. Hmm. So that's where I that's really started cool. digging into, into history. And, um, and I found that out in a really weird way. I was going to an appointment one day and I passed this huge, huge cemetery. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, what is this place? It just was, it, it had large monuments and it, it it was massive. And I thought, well, I need to, I need to check this place out. So I went online and I found out that there was, it, it, it had started because what was first there was a Potawatomi burial ground. So there was an Indian burial mound there and so I, f- I went to visit, and that was part of my research, and that that played into the story. Wow, that's yeah. really neat. Yeah. And that's nearby. That's history that is is there in the area that you live in. Yeah, and I'm I'm in uh, I'm in North Carolina now, but at the time I was living in the suburbs of Chicago, and I think it's mm. so important for us to 
to, to research our, the areas we live in. So the area I live in now um, is the, the, the tribe that is, is here is the Eastern band of the Cher- of Cherokee Indians. So that's the, that's the, the name of the, that's their tribal name is uh, mm-hmm. the Eastern, uh, Cherokee Eastern band of Cherokee Indians. And, but yeah, the Potawatomi were um, some of the tribes that were in the, the Illinois area at the time. And, and they were pushed west of the Mississippi after the Black Hawk War. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really important for us to understand, and that's part of the story too, who, who, was, who was here before us? Mm-hmm. Who were the people here before us? And who, are, you know, who were they and who are they? <laughs> right, right. Or what? What's that like? What what was that part of our history, um, our American history, and you know how how can we understand people today? Yeah, based on what what ancestors went through. Well, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. It it really reads well. I enjoy every time we get to hang out with Jack Finch and his his band of friends. I mean, it's so fast. That's the other thing is that just yeah. the stories go so fast. So as soon as you have another one ready, will you please share it with us? Oh, sure. Sure. I would, I would love to do that. And the one thing I didn't mention was the, the, um, the name of the boys mystery that they're writing is the case of the fish napped goldfish. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, the other, that's the other mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's buried in there. And, and like you say, it, it goes back and forth between their story that they're developing and the story that they are living. So um, just a neat way to weave two stories together. I hope a lot of people enjoy the book. I know that I certainly have. I hope so so too. Amanda, we look forward to having you back really soon. That would be great, Andrew. If anybody wants to find out about the books, they can go to treestreetkids.com. Parents, adventures, friendships, and faith testers, all under the watchful eye of a great big God. The Tree Street Kids live on cherry, oak, maple, and pine, but their 1990s suburban neighborhood is more than just quiet, tree-lined streets. Jack, Allison, Roger, and Ruthie face challenges and find adventures in every creek and cul-de-sac, as well as God's great love in one small neighborhood. In the book series set in the 1990s in the suburbs of Chicago, Amanda Cleary Estep invites kids to be part of a group of friends who face challenges that don't extend too far beyond the borders of their neighborhood. By engaging readers' imaginations, her hope is that they will laugh, learn, and grow in their faith right along with the Tree Street kids and their families. You can learn more about her books at treestreetkids.com.